Welcome to our Mothering Sunday service here in the Bishop's Palace Gardens in the Lee of Wells Cathedral, the mother church of our diocese here in Bath and Wells. I'm Ruth Worsley, I'm the Bishop of Taunton and it is great to have you worship with us. Traditionally, Mothering Sunday has been the day when people would return to the place of birth, to home, to family, to celebrate together and also perhaps to the church in which they were baptised and their spiritual journey began. It's a day of joy and thanksgiving for many. Mums will be taken out for lunch, flowers will be given and memories shared. But for others of us, it will be a challenging day as we remember those things which we have missed those people we have lost, and those relationships that are fractured. Today, as we consider what it means to be mothered, may we give thanks too for the mothering nature of God and for those who have, in that extended way, taken care of us and sought the best for us. With God, nothing will be impossible. For he is our God. And the God of salvation is making all things new. Amen. Let us pray. God of compassion, whose Son Jesus Christ, the Son of Mary, shared the life of a home in Nazareth and on the cross drew the whole human family to himself. Strengthen us in our daily living that in joy and in sorrow, we may know the power of your presence to bind together and to heal. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Let us be
chapel in the bishop's palace. It's a place where we come to pray each morning. It's a place that is open to the public to come and visit each day. A place where people can find peace, an opportunity to listen to God. It's a thin place, a place where you can light a candle where you can reflect on those things of joy and of sadness and an opportunity to seek God's grace. So here and now, let us ask for God's forgiveness. For our lack of trust in your love for us and for when we fail to recognise your grace. Lord, have mercy for the times that we have failed to welcome and have been less than loving. Christ, have mercy. For the times we have failed to recognize the needs of others, Lord, have mercy. May the God of love bring us back to himself, forgive us our sins, and assure us of his eternal love. In Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. We're going to hear now from Farhad, one of our lay pioneer workers in the diocese. He's going to share something of that nature of welcome uh, as he has come from another country to be amongst us. And as we hear his testimony, so he helps us to reflect on not only his own experience, but how we seek to reach out in pioneering work to those who find church to be a foreign country. My name is Farhad Chermahini. I am a pioneer minister here in Birchfield, which is part of the parish of St. Michael's and All Angels. Uh, I've been here for the last two and a half years uh, with the aim of creating a new community of faith. So one of the things that happens often for us as a church, as a Christian community, is that uh, over time, we, we grow and we become a little bit inward-looking uh, and, uh, and we miss out on what's happening around us. Yeah, and it's quite a natural process. Uh, sometimes we, it happens without we even noticing it. And I think there are things that we can do around that. One of the challenges, I think, is that if I, like for example, I, I come, before I came to the UK as an asylum seeker, uh, I, I came from a well-to-do background, my parents were both leaders in the community and, uh, and business leaders and civil, civil servant leaders. 
And, uh, and so it kind of related me to a particular group of people. Uh, and, and that meant that I wasn't relating to other groups of people. And I think what happens is that when, when we find ourselves in those spaces, we experience life perhaps less economically traumatic uh, and, and you know, less challenging in, in many ways. And, uh, and it makes it difficult for us to understand how a community or a group of people might be experiencing hardship in different ways. I think for me, uh, although initially I didn't think of it as a blessing, but now I do think of it as a blessing, is having to, having to flee from persecution and seeking asylum and, and experiencing hardship. Uh, and now being a pioneer minister, all those experiences uh, form and inform my, my, my Christian ministry and help me to maybe understand just a little bit more what it means for others to suffer and, and how we might be able to, to help or, or be willing to be present there. And, and, and I think maybe church can consider that. Uh, how, how can be a blessing in spaces, in our communities where Christian presence isn't there, but, uh, but it can be there. Uh, it just requires us developing a, a greater sense of compassion. We're going to hear our Old Testament reading now from the book of Exodus. It's the story of the birth of Moses. And Svetlana is going to read it to us in her native language, Ukrainian. Один чоловік із дому Леві пішов, взяв собі за жінку дочку одного Левія. Завагітніла жінка і вродила сина, бачивши ж, як він гарненький та їлися з ним три місяці. А що не могла вже більше з ним таїтись, то взяла для нього кошечок з очерету, обмазала його мазю та смолою, поклала в нього хлоп'ятку і сховала його в камешах, зберіг річки. Сестра ж його засіла здалека, бажала знати, що з ним станеться. Аж ось йшла фараонова дочка, скупалася в річці, слугині ж її ходили собі край берега річки, вгледіла вона в кошечок камеша і послала рабині, щоб взяла його. Відчинила вона його, побачила дитинку, а ось воно хлоп'ятко плаче. Змилосердилася вона над ним і каже, це єврейська дитинка. Каже тоді його сестра, дочі, каже тоді його сестра, дочці фараонові, хочеш побіжу і покличу тобі мамку з євреїв, щоб пригодувала тобі дитятко. І відповіла їй фараонова дочка, побіжи, побігла дівчина і покликала матір дитинки. І каже їй фараонова дочка, візьми це дитятко та вигодуй його мені, а я дам тобі за це заплату. Взяла жінка дитятко і вигодувала його. А як дитятко виросло, привела його до фараонової дочки, і він став їй за сина, і надала йому ім'я Майсей, кажучи, з води, мовля, витягла я його.
A Gospel reading from St. John, chapter 19, verses 25 to 27. Meanwhile, standing near the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing beside her, he said to his mother, Woman, here is your son. Then he said to the disciple, Here is your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her into his own home. It was good to hear that very powerful story of Moses read by Svetlana, who knows something of the challenge, as Farhad does, of what it means to make difficult choices for your family's sake. To leave the place of birth, to come and find refuge in another country. But for some, those choices are not available. And I want to introduce you now to Dave, Dave Kingswood, who works for Home for Good. Well, I'm really delighted this morning to welcome Dave, Dave Kingswood, here with me from Home for Good. And um, Dave, it's really, you're part of an organisation that is very engaged with providing a home. Tell me more about what that means in the context you work in. Yeah, so Home for Good came about because um, there was this recognition of the fact that there were thousands of children in the UK who didn't have loving homes. Um, and so we wanted to challenge the church particularly to say, what does it look like for the church to come around children who need to be fostered, to be adopted and to have supported lodgings for those who are older teenagers? So um, what we do is we very intentionally kind of push into some of those areas. We're challenging the church to, um, to, uh, to foster, to adopt, to provide supported lodgings. We, um, we push into local government and central government and say, hey, you know, you need to be investing in some of these areas yeah. and informing them. Uh, we try and influence and, and speak to church leaders about all the places that they should be going into and a, and, a, and a bunch of other things that we do. I work as a local project worker in Bath and North East Somerset where I work with the local authority and um, yeah, and I work with them to find loving homes for the kids who need them in, 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 in this area. That's amazing. I know you've been doing that for some years now yes. and you yourself have been engaged in, in sharing uh, your family home with, with uh, Lisa. We were her fourth foster placement by the time she was 11. Wow. And she'd been through profound loss and early trauma and, you know, so she lived with us for three and a half years. Um, and at the at the end of that three and a half years, she um, unfortunately uh, some of her behaviours were just becoming increasingly unsafe, and and she couldn't stay around. It was really really tricky because she had to leave, and um, you know my kids felt like they'd lost a sister, and mm. um, you know we felt like we'd lost one of our kids, and my church felt like they'd lost one of their youth, and you know oh wh you know where's God in that? Yes. Like we know like, what, I, I thought this was a thing we were yes. doing, you know. <laughs> Anyway, I was stood in I was stood in church about a year later, nine months, ten months later, and I felt these two little arms come around me, and there she was. Um, wow! I was chatting to a friend, and uh, and I said, "Lisa, what's been going on?" And she kind of told me that she'd had this really tricky year, and how hard it was to hear all those words about us loving her, and you know, because she really didn't believe that she was worth loving, and you know, all this stuff and stuff. And then, without me knowing. She'd actually gone to her old youth worker and said, I, I want to get baptised. I, I think this... Oh, excuse me. This still gets me. It's good. Um, and she said, 
I remember, you know, this all happened without really me knowing about it, and that was great. Um, and she she stood up on this day, I remember, and she and she basically said, "I I believe in this God that loves me, and um, it's also because of you lot." And she led quite a big church, you know, there's I don't know, 150 of us, something like that, 200 of us. And you know, she kind of said, "It's because you didn't judge me for my behaviour." It's because you fed me. It's because you took me out. It's because you invested in me. It's because you said that I was worth loving. And I know I kicked against it and, you know, all that stuff. But I accept it now. And and after that, for a little while, she came on tour with me around churches. As I went and spoke about Home for Good in churches, you know, I, I'd, I'd stand up and I'd say, you know, all the reasons we should come around vulnerable kids and foster and adopt and support, you know, we should do supported lodgings and, you know, we should do all of this stuff. And then... It almost doesn't matter what I say, because when she then stands up and says, we need you. We, us kids who have been through the ringer, who have had these really hard early starts in life. Um, yeah. You asked how she was doing. She's now 23. Um, so that was, she was 11 when she moved in with us. So it's been a long road, but she calls myself and my wife, Carly. She calls us mum and dad. And she checks in most days and, and, and says what's going on for her. What an amazing story. You know, when God says, look after the widow and the orphan mm. in James, you know, like, what, what are we intentionally doing about this? Like, mm. what, where is the church really, you know, manifesting and working mm. around this stuff? So um, it, it, it's such a, a clear call for me in our generation of, you know, if we've got, thir- we've got an anticipated 36,000 children coming into care, in 2023 so there's a hundred children a day a day coming into care um so what's the church doing about that where where are these stories and and i'm seeing i'm seeing more and more people take this seriously that loving environment and culture of what the church can bring is not just the people who decide to do supported lodgings or foster or adopt it's not just that family it's um is also what the church at a larger level can bring, mm. you know, what that youth worker can bring, what the old lady who makes the tea, you know, the, the person who brings the lasagna around on the first night of respite, you know, who the person who says, oh, do you know what? You're clearly having a hard time. Why don't I become a, um, an overnight carer for you or whatever? So that, that community comes so around. So, Dave, on, on, on this Mothering Sunday... Yes. We've got lots of people listening, sharing and worship with us. Yeah. What one thing would you want them to consider doing in support to care for those 100 kids? I mean, first of all, if you've got it in your heart to recognise that you could be one of those people who says, I think God's been pulling at my heart about fostering or adoption or supported lodgings, you know, for, for teenagers. Don't let anything get in the way of that. Step up. You know, make the call, journey with us with Home for Good. We'd love to support you and love you through that process and connect you in with other people who do it. The world needs more good mums and dads. Mothering Sunday can be, it can be such a celebration, can't it? But it can also be such a tricky time. Um, And, you know, as we think about all the children who are in, you know, the care system, for instance, you know, what what does that look like for them as they think about Mm. loss and as they've broken up from birth family and... 
Yeah, all, all of the complexities that kind of come with it. But what we want to recognise is actually we're not just, when we think about mothers, we're not just thinking about birth mothers. Actually, there are mother figures. You know, there are, yeah. I can think of all the mother figures in my life. It might be teachers or it could be church youth workers or children's workers or leaders. You know, there could be a hundred people who are all throughout that. And we just want to say, hey, we celebrate you. We see you. Um, all the all the wondrous um, investment that you bring into my life, we just want to say, hey, we, we, we want to put you front and centre and say, we want to, we see you today. So in all the complexity and the loss, we, you know, we don't want to take away from any of that um, because that is part of everyone's journey. And, you know, and we want to then create a, a feeling of saying, well, there might be all of those things, but actually we've got so much to celebrate as well. And, um, yeah, just want to lift up every mother and every mother figure in all of their various capacities, whether they're foster carers or adoptees or birth mums or, you know, everyone in between. And our readers this morning will be sharing with us something about how the stories of mothers are extended into the lives of the church yeah. uh, more widely too. Thank yeah. you. I'm standing next to this rather powerful piece of sculpture. The artist has depicted the weight of our sins, that's the title, uh, through the stories of children. Children who've been oppressed in life through war, through famine, through ill treatment by adults. And it's a reminder to us of some of the ills of our society. 
On this Mothering Sunday, I want us to reflect on how we might be part of the answer to change, to bring about that extended nurture, care, love, compassion and mothering that we've heard in that story that Dave shared with us in Home for Good. We have had two Bible readings, both of mothers, both who would have held hopes and dreams for the children that they bore. And yet the stories are challenging ones, ones that perhaps some of you resonate with. I'd really like us for a few moments to put ourselves in the shoes of those mothers. First, we had Jochebed. Jochebed, the mother of Moses. Moses was part of the Hebrew nation there in a foreign country, Egypt. When his forefathers and mothers had arrived, uh, they came looking for help and support. And over the centuries, over the years, they had gained in strength and had found a new home, a new life. But that life threatened those who had opened uh, up a welcome to them. And so we hear at this moment in the life of the Hebrews that the Pharaoh had decided that he needed to do something about this and wanted to restrict the growth of such a strong tribe. As a result, baby boys were to be killed. Jochebed had a choice to make, a very hard choice. She longed for this child. She gave birth to him. And yet she had to give him away in order to preserve his life. The story tells us in these few words that we've read of how Pharaoh's daughter comes across the baby in the bulrushes, draws him out of the water and finds a nurse to take care of him. It just so happens, of course, that Moses' older sister, Miriam, knows just the nurse. And that's how Jochebed becomes, as it were, a kinship foster parent for her own son. Of course, we don't have the full story there. Please go and read it. It's a fascinating one. But I often think of Jochebed. How must she have felt having to give her own child away, seeing him brought up by the enemy, as it were, and yet doing so for love of him, to preserve his life? What must she have felt? Of course, she didn't see the whole story. She didn't see how some of those hopes and dreams she would have had for Moses were fulfilled. He became an incredible leader of the people uh, that he was amongst. He was the one who was called by God to lead them out of slavery from Egypt and to find a new land, a new home, a land of promise, a land to which God took them. What a story. There were lots of twists and turns along the way. It didn't always go right. It didn't always go well. But God was with them. That second story 
tells of Mary, the mother of Jesus. We just have a few verses, the glimpse of a woman seeing the death of her child. Imagine yourself in her shoes. Perhaps it's a strong resonance for you. Perhaps it's your own story. Mary had been a very young child, a young woman, when she realised that she was about to become a mum herself. It would have been a, a difficult situation where she would have known something of the scandal and the awkward glances from others about her situation. And yet, she had this assurance from God that this child would be special, that there was a purpose in his birth. Little did she realise, I'm sure, that this would be it. That here she would be at the foot of a cross watching him die. There'd been many situations throughout his growing up that she had pondered and wondered about, of course. There was that moment when he disappeared, when they were going home from the festival in Jerusalem and she eventually discovered him in the temple with the religious folk. There were times when she went to find him and discovered that he was too busy with other people, it seemed, and that he counted them as family and not particularly her. A mother's heart must have been troubled at times. And particularly at this moment, at the foot of a cross, watching her son die. And yet perhaps it was also then that she began to realise that this was the purpose, this was the moment. That hopes and dreams were not realised in physical terms, but through the spiritual releasing from slavery that Jesus brought for you and for me by bearing the weight of our sins on the cross. But the story doesn't just end there. We see Jesus, even in those moments of death, having a care for his mother, recognising her despair and loss, her mourning. And there he is speaking to his best friend and asking him to take his mother into his own home and family and encouraging her to extend her love more widely too. So what does that mean for you and for me? As we hear those stories of two mothers, mothers who had hopes and dreams for all that might be, what might it say to you and I about how we nurture and mother and parent those we come into contact with? We've heard from Dave this morning, hearing how Home for Good does exactly that, opens a new family and home and embrace to those who so need it, those 36,000 children this year who will be taken into care. We've heard from Svetlana reading our reading, who has found a welcome amongst us during this terrible war between Ukraine and Russia. 
and we've seen something of Farhad and how he has made his home amongst us from another country, from Iran, and is now beginning to help the church to extend its arms of welcome to those whom we have failed to reach, who we've perhaps neglected in the way in which we've shared the message of God's love. As we close today, as we bring our prayers, as we make an act of remembrance, may we ask God the question as to what we can do. What might you do? What might I do in response to that love of God's, which is so all-embracing? Let us pray. Lord, we thank you that you are a God who mothers us, who parents us, who nurtures us, who never gives up on us. And we pray that you would help us to receive that love and to offer that love. And we ask, Lord, that you will give us all we need to be the mothers, the fathers, the children who serve you. Amen. I light this candle to remember Ukrainian mothers who are separated from their children or away from home or whose children have been killed. I light this candle to remember those who have wept for their children. I light this candle to remember those for whom this day brings memories of children they have lost. I light this candle to remember those for whom today is a sad reminder of the children they have never had. I light this candle to remember those who grieve for a mother who has died. I light this candle for all those who feel a failure because family relationships have broken down. I light this candle for those who have never received the maternal care which they longed for. I bring these flowers to give thanks for the loving welcome given to Ukrainian families who have come to find safety in this country. I bring these flowers to give thanks for all who work in aid agencies and caring organisations to support those who are sad and vulnerable. I bring these flowers to give thanks for the kindness of nurses, carers and friends who give comfort. I bring these flowers to celebrate the many ways in which we can find joy in caring relationships. I bring these flowers to give thanks for precious memories which can never be lost. I bring these flowers as a reminder that even in small ways, forgiveness, healing and new growth are always possible. I bring these flowers to celebrate the love given by those outside families, by foster parents, loving carers and supportive friends. Yes, ma'am.
Dear Lord, thank you for all the care and love we are given by those who look after us and keep us safe. We thank you especially for the mothers and all what they do. Help us to do what we can to make our world a more caring place by being kind and thoughtful to others. And not putting ourselves first. Amen. We pray for children who feel that no one cares about them, who don't have loving families to go home to. May they have friends who are kind and caring. Please bless and help mothers in places where life is very difficult. We think of those whose homes have been destroyed by the earthquake, for mothers in Ukraine were separated from their children. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen. Thank you for joining us today for this very special Mothering Sunday service. And whatever this day holds for you, whether joy or pain, may you know the peace of God which passes all understanding, keeping your heart, your mind in the knowledge and love of God and of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. And the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son and Holy Spirit be among you, remain with you, with all whom you love and all whom you pray for, now and always. Amen. <laughs>